Welcome to part five of Ken's teaching series called Conversations with Jesus. Today I'm going to talk about the greatest teacher, Jesus' conversation about raising the next generation. Luke chapter 6 and verse 40 is my passage, and this is also my tribute to moms on Mother's Day. Let's take a look at what Jesus is teaching his disciples in Luke chapter 6. Now, beginning in verse 20, Luke records his equivalence of the Sermon on the Mount, which is his version of the Beatitudes. And then he eventually gets to a parable where he teaches them in Luke 6, 39 through 40, when he tells us that the blind cannot lead the blind. And he answers the question, because they will both fall into the pit. You know what this tells me? Since I'm all about discipleship, I think that it's accurate to say that we cannot lead someone in discipleship to a place that we have not yet gone ourselves. That's not an excuse to never attempt to disciple anyone, but it is a strong challenge to lead by example. As followers of Christ, we are called to lead people to greater depths of devotion to Jesus and to spend our lives in pursuit of conforming to the image of Christ. We must be willing and committed to do whatever it takes to look more and more like Jesus. And it doesn't happen by accident, but it's on purpose with determined intentionality. Okay, let me get to my intended verse because Luke chapter 6 and verse 40 is the starting point of my message today. And he says a pupil or a student or a disciple, depending upon your translation, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. So this message today is going to focus on what Jesus said about raising the next generation. Now, in context, Jesus is talking about the rabbi-follower relationship or the discipler-disciplee relationship or mentor and mentee. But on this Mother's Day, I think this verse can speak to us about what parents do for their children. If we don't do anything else, our kids will generally turn out pretty much like us. They follow our example. It's not just what we say, but it really is what we do. I remember a commercial when I was a kid. A dad and his son were in the front yard washing the car, and this little boy of age five or six does exactly what the dad does. He's washing the fender. He's scrubbing the tires. He's wearing the baseball cap, and the narrator repeats the phrase after each little section, and he says, like father, like son. Then they sit down at the base of a tree in the front yard and dad grabs a pack of cigarettes and the son reaches for the pack that daddy just laid down and the narrator asked a question like father, like son, our kids are watching us. Moms and dads not only have the awesome responsibility of raising the next generation of citizens in America, but they are raising the next generation of Christians in America. As we look around our country today, what sort of followers of Jesus are we producing? Are we making disciples or do we settle for making good little church attenders? Are the kids in the church today just learning moral lessons from the Bible? Or are they encountering and learning about the God of the Bible? 
Do they know the reason they were created and the responsibility that they have for reaching those who are far from God and even reaching those who have little or no access to the gospel? Remember what I said just a moment ago. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to take someone to a place that we have not yet gone ourselves. We cannot pass on what we do not embrace. Our kids will never learn how to have a quiet time unless they see us having regular times for devotional reading and praying. They won't learn how to share the gospel if we don't share the gospel. They won't learn how to disciple someone else if no one ever discipled them. Maybe this sounds familiar. When asked in a social situation, what do you do? I've heard some moms say something like this. Well, I'm just an at-home mom. Well, let me remind you of what moms do at home. Now, first, let's give mom a creative title. Now, how about domestic engineer or maybe household CEO or, or maybe the director of childhood development? And how about the activities an at-home mom does? Here's, I'm just going to name a few. Here's the first one. Teacher. Mothers teach children their very first words, their colors, their shapes, and they continue to enrich their learning by helping them with their homework and school projects. Let's add chef to the list. I read that the Bureau of Labor Statistics described the role of a chef as one who develops recipes, plans menus, orders food inventory, and ensures sanitary kitchen conditions. And that certainly sounds like a mom. How about event planner? Even the busiest mom squeezes in time for fun. Whether it's planning a themed birthday celebration, coordinating schedules with extended family for holidays, or signing kids up for recreational activities, moms constantly have something to do and somewhere to be. How about housekeeper? Maintaining an orderly house can be you know, quite a daunting task for a mother. There's no shortage of things to clean or organize, whether the children are toddlers or teenagers. How about accountant? In most households, mom perform many accounting functions, such as uh, creating and balancing a budget, paying bills, identifying cost-saving opportunities. And how can we leave out chauffeur? Moms who serve as chauffeur by providing hours of transportation for kids to and from doctor's appointments, school, shopping, play dates. I read a statistic that if moms received an annual salary for all their responsibilities, they would earn an estimated $78,000 a year. But let's refocus on Christian moms and dads. Luke 6.40 reminds us that a pupil or a child, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. How do we as parents invest in our kids for the kingdom's sake? Aside from any teaching and training that will turn our kids into sociably acceptable citizens and productive members of society, let me suggest six things to be a part of any parental curriculum. And here's my acrostic for today. M-O-T-H-E-R, mother. Now the M stands for mission. I love Acts 1.8. says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. 
Think about your goal as a Christian parent. It's not about raising a sociably acceptable and productive member of society. Your goal is not for your kids to have a great education. Your goal is not to be, for them to be a great athlete. It's, it's, it's not for them to participate in wholesome dating. It, it's not to have a great career. That is not our goal. It's not about getting them out of the house on their own, making lots of money. The goal of Christian parenting is for your kids to embrace the great commission and to live out the great commandment. We teach our kids to love God with their whole being and to love others as themselves. The great commandment leads to the great commission and the fact that God uses ordinary people like us to spread the love of Jesus to those with little or no access to the gospel. I love Acts 1-8 because we don't do any of this alone. We have received the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. This verse reminds us that our mission field is in our own city, our state, our country, and the world. It's not about one place over another, but it's about doing all four at the same time. Notice Jesus used the word both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We tend to see the command as a buffet line. Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. Just pick one. Jesus told the disciples and tells us that they will be his witnesses. Meaning, if you carry the name of Jesus, you are his witness. We don't necessarily go out and do witnessing, but we are witnesses. If you're a believer, you're a witness and can tell others what Jesus has done for you. The only choice we have is between these two options. Will I be a good witness or will I be a bad witness? Now, as parents, our first priority is to instill in our children that we are on mission with God, no matter what our vocation, our marital status, or personal hobbies or interest. Once we understand our mission it really does lead us to the next part of raising the next generation. The O stands for obedience. I love John 14, 21. It says, he who has my commandment and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. We teach our kids about obeying us as parents and obeying teachers and others in authority like police. But we often find ourselves telling our kids that obedience to God can be optional. Perhaps we justify it by thinking like this. Well, the standard of Jesus is perfection. Uh, we can never be perfect, so why even try? Or maybe we say, my salvation is not based on my performance like my own personal obedience, but it's based upon the work of Christ. So obedience must therefore be optional. But read John 14, 21 again. Keeping his commandments is a sign of your love for God. If you love God, you will keep his commands. And when we love God, we will be loved by the Father. And Jesus said if we keep his commands, he will love us and will disclose himself to us. Now, if you don't feel like Jesus is revealing himself to you on a regular basis, try obedience. Once we obey his word, Jesus will disclose himself to us. Walking through this life in obedience is something that is caught more than it's taught. 
We've heard the phrase, do as I say and not as I do. But our kids see how we're living. We know, they know if we simply put on the mask of Christianity on Sunday or if they see us living fully committed to Christ and his mission throughout the week. This leads me to the T in the acrostic and the T stands for teaching. I like Matthew chapter 7 verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished his words, uh, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, if parents don't do anything else, teaching is the thing that they do the most. It seems that day after day, all we do is teach our kids about life, relationships, dating, work ethic, trade skills, vocational skills, study skills, sports skills, coaching, board games, fishing, household chores, homework, you name it. We teach all the time. But how do we prepare our kids for life's ultimate final exam? You know, when you stop learning, you stop growing. And science tells us that all living things grow. Parents must make it a priority to teach their children the will and the ways of God. Nothing will draw a child closer to God than seeing mom and dad taking steps of faith, walking in obedience, especially when it's difficult or uncomfortable. Actions really do speak louder than words. You've heard it said that we should never let a crisis go to waste. <laughs> it's, it's, it's through the crises of life that we find the greatest teaching opportunities. Take advantage of difficult times to help your kids walk in faith and trust God. Lead by example. Set the pace for your family. Now, the H in our acrostic stands for humility. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 tells us this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The culture and the world will teach your children to look out for number one. They justify this type of teaching to emphasize and develop a positive self-esteem in children. Now, if your kids were anything like my kids, I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. That just seemed to come naturally. <laughs> kids think the world revolves around them. It's part of the fall of mankind. We make ourselves to be the most important and we desire to be the master of our own destiny, to be the center of the universe and to sit upon the throne of our own lives. But is that the example of Jesus? Our Lord and Savior did not seek power, prestige, or position so he could manage or rule over other people. He taught that we were supposed to serve others rather than serve ourselves or have others serve us. This is the essence of humility. We must teach our kids to look out for the interest of others more than their own interest. Just how do kids learn this? It's by seeing the example of their parents. Again, set the pace for humility in your household. Give your life in service to others. The E in our acrostic stands for evangelism. I like Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It says this, And when he went up to the mountain and he summoned those whom he wanted himself, they came to him, 
And then he appointed the 12 that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. Jesus spent the whole night in prayer before he called his 12 closest men to be his disciples. We often think of these guys as super Christians and we can't expect to live up to that type of a standard that they set, especially in the area of ministry and mission. But I love this Mark passage because of what Jesus called them to do. Now, we often focus upon the last section. He called them to send them out to preach, which is an important part of their mission. But notice the phrase just before that. He called them to be with him. And then he sent them out to preach. I call this the with him principle. We need to walk through this life with Jesus, learn from him, and then pass on what we have learned to others, especially to our kids and those within our circle of influence. We learn from him, and then we go out and make a difference in the world around us. Make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, all of this leads up to my final point, which is the R for relationship. Luke chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 say this. And they were talking and with each other about all these things which had taken place. And they were talking and discussing while they were doing that, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Christianity is nothing if not about relationships. First, there's our relationship with the Father through the Son. This relationship is all about salvation. Next is our relationship with other believers. I would call this a relationship that's all about fellowship. Our third relationship is with a lost and a dying world. This relationship is all about evangelism and mission, which we previously covered today. We can teach our kids to be successful in the world but unless they understand these key relationships in life, they're no different from your average lost person. Notice what is included in this Luke 24 passage. Now, in context, the story is a part of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But look at what takes place. They were talking with each other about the things that had taken place. So let's ask ourselves some questions. How often do you talk with your kids about spiritual matters? Have you talked to them about how you came to faith in Christ? How about how God has moved in your life this past week? How about how Jesus gave you opportunities to make a difference in someone else's life? What about ministry opportunities or a mission experience? Remember, faith is caught more than it's taught. And it's caught by talking about life together. Along with talking about and discussing spiritual matters, Jesus approached them and began traveling with them. He took the initiative. The Christian life is not so much about the destination, basically getting to heaven when we die, as it is about the journey and the path that we walk in this life. We go through this life as a family, whether in our physical family of blood relatives or our family of faith that I like to call our forever family. In Christianity, there are no Lone Ranger disciples. We are in this together. The body is made up of many parts, parts and we all work together for the, for the body to function properly. Christianity is about community, and at its core, this means relationships. 
We need to be connected with one another. I think that it's been the hardest part of this year of COVID. Our relationships really have suffered. We've drifted apart. I feel many people have come to the conclusion that gathering together as the church or a small group or a Sunday school class was really not as important as we made it out all these years. Now, I've made it just fine without getting together. I can have my worship on demand anytime I want. Just click this button. I can do it when it's convenient for me. I don't need my class to get together. Email's just fine. I can keep up with people that way. So what does Jesus teach us about raising the next generation? Look over these six areas again. Which one do you need to focus on first? What can you do this week that will help you to get back on track? How will you pray differently this week? When we realize that the life we've been given is not about us, it's then that we find freedom. We have been called to be good stewards of the life that we have. As one who will give an account for what we have done with what we have been entrusted. On this Mother's Day, let us all remember why we're on this planet. If you are a follower of Christ, your life is not about you. It's all about being an ambassador for Christ and being his witnesses locally and even around the world. Let's reflect on what God may be saying to us right now. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we recognize that life can be hard. And without question, it is distracting from what you've called us to do for the kingdom's sake. Father, open our eyes to the opportunities all around us as we go through this difficult life. May we see you at work and seek to join you in your mission and reach through to those who are far from you. Help us to seek the one that is lost. Help us to raise the next generation to love you extravagantly. May we set the pace for our families and our community. May we run the race set before us and not grow weary. May we fight the good fight and finish well. Father, we know that we fall short and we plead your mercy and your grace. To encourage us to stand strong in our calling to salvation and our calling to be your hands and feet in this world. May we be salt and light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Join us next week for Ken's part six in his conversation series. He's going to be talking about leveling self-importance. It's a conversation with those who argue about first place. I hope you found a small group meeting during the week because life change happens in small groups. Please stick around for a few moments for some announcements.